Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka, and we're recording this podcast on December the 28th, 2020. Can you believe it? With us today is Dr. Greg Poland. Dr. Poland, as you know, is a Mayo Clinic infectious disease specialist, vaccine and virology expert, and he's been having regular conversations with us through 2020. Uh, and we've made it through a year, Greg. Oh, we have. <laughs> Amazingly enough, but it feels like a very long year, doesn't it? Well, welcome and thanks for being here, Greg. Can you believe that you were our first COVID-related guest on March the 11th, 2020? And since that time, we have done 39 podcasts together. Wow. No, I didn't realize it'd been that many and probably we have that many to go yet. And, and think of all the changes that we've seen with COVID just over that time. So Greg, let's just start out by talking about looking back at 2020. Wow. We've been now really nine months in the thick of this thing, managing COVID. And of course, scientists such as yourself were involved in discussions about this uh, prior to uh, the rest of the public being well informed and it really us grappling with it in the United States. When you look back on 2020, what do you think? Where are we going next year? You know, it's a really good question. And it's uh... It's a mixed bag of sadness, of scientific triumph, of uh, a bright future if we do things well. Um, I think the saddest thing for me is that a scientific and medical problem became so politicalized that it cost one out of a thousand American lives which I, I see is so unnecessary. I agree. That is really I mean, tragic. We, uh, as of Christmas Eve, we now have 120,000 Americans in the hospital with, wow. with COVID. I mean, it just, it just blows my mind. In December so far, 65,000 Americans have died of COVID. All of it, for the most part, preventable. Not entirely, but in large part. And the, the consequence of this has been the development, not just of the UK variant, the South African variant, but many variants now. The more times we passage this virus through one human after another at a rate of thousands a day, the more opportunity, it's, it's kind of like typing. The, the faster and the more you type, the more you make mistakes. And the same is true for the, for the virus. You know, maybe if you make one spelling error in a word, you still understand the sense. You can still translate it. But start making a lot of mistakes, mutations in the sentence, and pretty soon it could spell a different sentence or have a different meaning. The bright spot for me is that, you know, inside of nine, 10 months, we've got safe and effective vaccines. Uh, 10 million doses have been distributed in the US, almost 2 million have been given. A little bit of concern over uh, allergic reactions, but the number that we're talking about, uh, I mean, just absolutely microscopic in comparison to the numbers of hospitalizations and deaths. And at the same time, despite our warnings over Thanksgiving of don't travel, don't get together in groups, we're seeing, a, as we predicted, four weeks later, a surge in hospitalizations and deaths. Christmas was even worse. Over a million people screened by TSA 
uh, the day before Christmas. And so this is just going to continue to accelerate through January and February. And unfortunately, many tens of thousands of Americans alive and maybe listening to us right now, unfortunately won't be a month or two from now, unless we can get this vaccine out and unless people uh, accept it. You, you and I over these months, Selena, have had a, have had a rich conversation and uh, we've all learned something. And so uh, I'd like to ask you the same question. As you, as you look back as a physician and as somebody um, actively engaged in uh, trying to educate the public about this, what, what, what do you see and what do you think? Wow. I feel like uh, books are being written about this and uh, I could practically write one. I think that one of the most astounding things to me, Greg, has just been the change in our lifestyle. Mm. I, I've never lived through you know, these kind of changes and I, I think most of America has not. We have gone through wars and have had less impact on our life within the United States than we have from COVID-19. And it really is astounding, both uh, with blessings and with curses, I think. I think COVID-19 has given us a new perspective on what's important and on focusing on those things that are important and slowing down a little bit. I think it's been a real curse for some people who have lost their jobs and uh, had lost their family members and their friends and uh, the, the work that is being uh, put into caring for patients with COVID into working on this virus. So I think there are um, some really good things that have come out of this and some really awful things that have come out of this too. But what I wanna know, Greg, is what do you see for 2021? Do you think we will get back to uh, normal life as we know it? I do. I'm, I'm very optimistic about that. I think we have two good vaccines, as I say, that are safe and effective right now. Uh, in, in January, I expect that likely we'll be seeing that for the AstraZeneca vaccine. Very shortly after that, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So, you know, we have two and soon to be three and four vaccines. What I hope is that the vaccine won't be plagued, and I don't mean the pun, but plagued by misinformation and rumors by those who don't know. And, and I don't know if you could live with yourself knowing that you're spreading rumors that you have no expertise in, no real knowledge in, and it harms other people's lives and families and, and jobs and well-being. Uh, we, have a, we have an opportunity unlike any time in American history within the context of a pandemic while it's raging to get a vaccine that would protect us at a level of efficacy that almost none other of our vaccines have. That, that's remarkable. That is amazing. I, I really right? hope that if people take these vaccines, we will very rapidly get back to normalcy. Greg, and speaking of that, where are we with the distribution of the vaccine? I know my little window of the world a little bit here in Minnesota and at Mayo Clinic. Yeah. I hear different things from different people in different parts of the country and see them on social media. Some people who aren't necessarily healthcare workers are getting uh, vaccines in some areas, and yet, you know, some areas haven't gotten to all of their healthcare workers. So where where are we with distribution? You know, it's a it's a little confusing to to tell you the truth. I mean, this is 
in fairness, a massive logistical effort. It, it is like trying to get men and materiel in uh, 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 10,000 different locations to fight 10,000 different wars. I mean, that's what I, I liken it to. The, the logistics are just almost impossible uh, to think of. And yet within that, people are getting immunized. We are getting healthcare uh, workers immunized and then the, starting to work on the next wave, which is the elderly. And yet within that, like any human endeavor and like what you're pointing out, um, Pfizer has had some cold chain glitches, which has delayed some shipments of vaccine. A as you say, in some states, and each state has the right to allocate the vaccine the way they want to. They've been given a framework by the CDC, but they can decide how to do it. And some of those, uh, I don't think, have demonstrated the good faith uh, and, and the trust of saying, look, there are designated waves or, or uh, degrees of whom we're giving when the vaccine. And, and that, that really needs to be adhered to so that the process is fair and equitable. Well, I hope that there will be enough vaccine available soon that this will almost become a moot point mm -hmm. and that we will be able to uh, vaccinate people as quickly as uh, possible because the supply is uh, much richer and higher than it is now. And I do think that's possibly coming. Is that yes, correct, Greg? I do. I do think that too. I think uh, very quickly in January and February, that's going to be palpably true and people will see that. And it won't take very long after that before anyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get one. A little bit earlier, Greg, mm -hmm. you mentioned the variants of the virus, uh, particularly what we've been seeing in the UK and we've seen Japan, uh, their concern about this and in other countries as well. <laughs> is there evidence um, about how the vaccine, um, is it effective against yeah. the variants that we're seeing? Do we know that? As always, Helena, you ask really good questions and the ones that we're staying up at night pondering. <laughs> um, the concern is that theoretically, if you accumulate enough mutations, enough misspellings, that the antibody won't recognize the virus or the, the word anymore and translate it differently. So, you know, the only way to know is through clinical studies. In other words, we immunize people. If they get sick, we then take the swab that we use to diagnose them and sequence that virus. If we find that the virus is showing up more frequently and in people who had gotten immunized, then we'll know that efficacy drops. My own best guess is that the level of immunity uh, induced by vaccines, monoclonal antibodies, convalescent plasma is likely to suffer, but not to the point where it won't protect. In other words, and I'm just making it arbitrary here, let's say you need uh, a unit of 10 to protect yourself, but the vaccine introduces a unit of 100, but the mutations make it really a level of 90 or 85, you're still well above that level of 10. So you've got a large uh, cushion or buffer of protection. But, but, and this is the key thing, with this virus literally, and I don't think it's dramatic to say this, out of control in the US, 
the risk is that we will accumulate enough mutations or misspellings in words, if you will, that it could theoretically happen and we would be right back where we started. And that's why every opportunity I get, I plead with people, please wear your mask properly. Please maintain distance and wash your hands properly. This hands, is space, and space. Hands, face, and space. I mean, you know, the, the really key thing in all of this that strikes me is we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of each other. And it's very, very selfish to do those things that we all want to do. I wanted to get together with my family over Christmas and we were unable to. It would not have been right. And for the people that did, you've added risk to everybody by doing that. And it's really important now that we, okay, that happened. Let's focus on the future and let's do the right thing and protect ourselves and one another. Well, I am glad, Greg, that we have you tracking uh, these new variants and, and what will happen with the vaccine so that we can uh, get more information as time goes on. Another major concern that I've heard uh, both in the media and locally regarding the vaccine is allergic reactions to yeah. it. Can you um, tell us a little bit about that? Is that to be expected or should uh, individuals be concerned about that? I, I it's a little hard to tell yet, but it looks to me like we're seeing a level of allergic reactions slightly higher than we would expect. Under normal conditions, we see an allergic reaction, what's called anaphylaxis, at a rate of about one in a million doses of almost any vaccine. This seems to be a little more than that. Um, we've got our eyes on one of the vaccine ingredients, a lot of work going into right now uh, to determine whether that's uh, going to be an issue on an ongoing basis or not. Uh, the two next vaccines coming don't contain that ingredient, so we'll see. We'll have a natural way uh, of telling. But, you know, again, as soon as we talk about that, it's kind of like saying to people, you know, look, do you want a uh, one in 1,000 risk of dying, or do you want a one in 1 million risk of having itching or a rash or a, an allergic reaction that can be promptly treated? And so you really have to put the risks and benefits into perspective and, and make a good choice. Um, right now, what we're saying is that we would not give anybody this vaccine who had an allergic reaction to, let's say, the first dose or have had an allergic reaction to a known component of the vaccine. In other words, if you've had an allergic reaction to a different vaccine, that doesn't count. In other words, you're not at more risk unless you had an allergic reaction to something in this vaccine. Um, and even then, even then, because of the level of risk, we might, with discussion with the patient, do it and be prepared to treat any kind of reaction. The risk of dying from one of those reactions is less than one in 10 million. So you really have to say, you know, there's a risk there. Much do lower than the risk. risk? Yeah, do I take that risk or do I take a far higher risk of hospitalization or not being able to work for months or death? 
you mentioned ingredients in the vaccine, and there's been some concern reported amongst Muslim and Orthodox Jewish communities about uh, vaccine ingredients. Uh, yeah. What would that be, and how do you respond to that? Yeah, you know, I think that the concern that those communities have, which uh, they should have over any vaccine or product, is the presence of pork. Um, pork is used uh, as a derivative gelatin in order to stabilize a number of vaccines. It is not. There is no pork or gelatin or any sort of ingredient like that in either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine and not in the next one coming, the AstraZeneca vaccine. And so I'm, I'm very pleased to see that the rabbis and the imams have stepped up and told their communities, that's a rumor, this is misinformation. Don't listen to in misinformation. It, it's ignorance that kills, not the vaccine. And, and that message seems to be getting through. So, you know, hats off to those community leaders that are, are doing the right thing. And there's plenty of misinformation out there. Yes. Oh, more. Thanks to the internet, how quickly things spread, correct? Yeah, it's unconscionable, unconscionable. Well, Greg, do you have any last uh, words of wisdom for our listeners yeah, uh, you for know, 2020? I, I think very philosophically about this. You know, your, your health and the health of your family members is, is a precious thing. Life is a precious thing. It's worth guarding it at, at any cost. And the simple nature of wearing a mask and washing your hands and physical distancing could be the difference between your ongoing health, uh, your lack of health, complications, or even death and hospitalization. It's not worth that. It's not worth that. Go to places where they provide trusted information and think carefully. Do you really think that as doctors, we would line up to get a vaccine that we think is harmful? Why would you listen to rumors on the internet from people with no training in this whatsoever? So I just, I just plead with you, protect your health, protect the health of your family members, of your community, of your workmates, of the people you worship with. This is really, really important. This is not a political issue. This is not a religious issue. This is a medical issue. Religious in the sense that religious people believe in love of neighbor and Christian charity. And that's what this with feet looks like, is protecting yourself and others. Sage advice, Greg. You know, I have never been a person who believed in a New Year's resolutions. Mm. I do think that uh, the New Year is a wonderful time to reassess one's goals. Yeah. And I've always done that short-term, uh, intermediate and long-term goals in life to see how well I am aligned. And I think uh, no better year for us to think about that as a nation and, and as uh, individuals. Good point. Uh, where are we going in 2021 and um, how do we want to get there? Yeah, good, good point. And you know, we have a way forward. That's the amazing thing. I mean, we've got, we've got, as we've talked about today, we've got some vaccines that are just mind blowing in terms of how well they work. Um, I mean, again, we don't have vaccines like this. This is a grand slam. And I think we just have to really, you know, think about this uh, and, and make good choices because these vaccines, as I've said before, Maybe another way to say it is these vaccines are about the future. 
What do you want your future to be and the future of your family and your community? And these vaccines are here to guard and protect that future. That's a great point, Greg. Lots has happened, but so much positive progress has yes. also been made. Yes. Thank you, Greg. My pleasure. Look forward to speaking with you in the new year. And uh, for all of our listeners that have hung in, in there with us, have a wonderful rest of the year, a safe year, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you, Greg. Our thanks to Dr. Greg Poland, who is our expert uh, in virology, vaccines, and infectious disease at Mayo Clinic. And he and I have been sharing regularly about updates in COVID-19. I hope that you learned something today. I know that I did. We look forward to uh, seeing you in the new year, and we wish all of you a wonderful day and a wonderful new year. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well.